Before we jump into this week's episode, let me tell you about one of the sponsors for the Reach Australian National Conference. KidsWise is pleased to announce the launch of the KidsWise Academy, an easy-to-access online training platform. The KidsWise Academy offers training that equips people to build an effective children's ministry. It also has team leader training for anyone leading a team of volunteers in any area of ministry. You can choose to access individual training to fit around your lifestyle. Alternatively, select the group training option and gather a group in your local church to think through one of the growing number of training modules available. For more information on KidsWise Academy, go to kidswiseacademy.com.au. LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Peter Blanch. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel Center ministry every week. Now, Pete, look, we are just working out our rhythm. I think this is only the uh, second or third podcast episode that we record. I feel like we're a new team, new opening partnership. That's right. Tell us, who is your favorite opening partnership in the Australian cricket team? Oh, mate, David Boone. (laughs) David Boone and Jeff Marsh, that's a no-brainer for me. I I didn't realise you were that old. Maybe you're older than Derek. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I am, right? They were excellent. Loved it. Uh, But I'm coming in at first drop, Scott, so, you know, maybe, maybe, (laughs) maybe. Who was your your favourite first drop? Ricky, Ricky was there for a while, wasn't he? He was. Um, He just dominates my, my childhood at that point, yeah. Yep, excellent. Uh, Tom, our podcast producer, is just looking quizzical. Um, yep, yeah, at the whole at the whole conversation. Now, the one thing is brought to you thanks to Reach Australia. We want to see thousands of healthy, evangelistic, multiplying churches across Australia. And this month, uh, we want to encourage people who are listening and regular listeners to uh, give to our resource library so we can keep producing this uh, great podcast resource. So head to reachaustralia.com.au forward slash give hyphen resource hyphen library and we'd love you to give $50 just as a one-off. Um, that'd be great. But for now, you press play on another episode of The One Thing, What I've Learned in Leadership. Now, before uh, you before you hit pause and stop and think, well, okay, we're going to get some massive lessons from uh, from Scott and Pete on what they've learned on leadership, we actually wanted to play, with you, play a, uh, a clip from the Reach Australia conference recently, from the Foundations Day. Uh, Pete Stedman, the Senior Minister at Norwest uh, Anglican Church uh, in Norwest in the Hills District in Sydney, uh, was interviewed and and shared some reflections. And so uh, we want to play a few of those and uh, interact with you in today's episode. Let's uh, hear clip one. As, as I've given more responsibility over for outcomes that they themselves have set, I've noticed this new energy, this new creativity, and this new productivity from my team. In one sense, what's happened is I've been shunted to the side where previously I had been both the instigator of and the blockage for most new ideas. The team now owns much more. The other day, by example, I turned up at church at our 4.30 service And there were four team meetings going around the site. And I didn't know what any of them were. That makes a minister's heart sing. Uh, We walked past our inner room, one of our rooms, and there was 20 Chinese people in there. I I didn't know any of them. So I said to one of my team members, what's going on there? He said, that's a newcomer's morning tea. I said, newcomer's morning tea? Never had one of them. I said, he's daily running that. Daily's our Mandarin pastor. He's been on staff 12 weeks. 
He said, no, not daily, Jerry. I said, Jerry? Jerry's never done anything here. He's a Mandarin-speaking guy in our congregation. He said, no, no, but Jerry's been a part of Tim's team and the membership team, and he was encouraged to do that, and it's up and running. Like, man, it was working. It was so good. One more final comment here, and something Pete's already said. I'm convinced that it is the health of the most senior team in a church that is critical for setting the culture of every team across your church. If there is any sense of cynicism, lack of alignment, lack of delivery or lack of clarity, it will wash through and colour everything else. And the senior leader has to fight for the health of the main team. I think it, I think it kind of creates a... Well, it's, it's a reality that you get drawn, I think, in any team that you're part of. You've, you've got the, the staff team, which is, is rightly one you spend a lot of your time in. But it's often actually the, the teams under you that often will give you the most, um, uh, you know, pleasure. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of the word here. The teams under you that are going to give you the most sort of joy. You know, they're going to want to work for you. Uh, they're going to give you great feedback. Uh, you're going to get kind of most of your sort of self-esteem from that group. Whereas your senior team often, they're going to be pointing things out. You're going to be a problem. You're going to be creating blockages. They're going to be asking you to get stuff done. Whereas the teams below you are actually are going to be more of a joy for you. And, and often I think you are going to make them the priority and them the emphasis as opposed to actually making that senior staff team your... your That's right, health in that senior staff team. Because in that, in that position there, there is going to be a reasonable amount of deep care about the work and when there is deep care about the kingdom work that's going on you, you've got to expect there'll be differences around exactly how to minister the gospel to people and it's because they care so there can be a bit more toing and froing roughing and tumbling of ideas it needs to be robust it needs to be generous it needs to be healthy but you can see why the teams underneath them, when that robust conversation is had can, can fly but of course this is true i think in in a single pastor church as well where you'll have your, your, your single pastor, but he'll have a, a set of leaders underneath him that are the key leadership team. They too will set the tone and the drive for every other team in the church family. I think, I think the other helpful thing that Pete uh, recognises and acknowledges is how he became uh, the blockage, but also he was often the instigator. And you could, you could hear the joy in his voice at, oh. that he's no longer that, uh, and that teams are actually happening uh, through his team. And so you can see there's, there's not a handing over responsibility. He's actually taken responsibility. And, and his key work is actually to make sure teams are, are aligned, healthy, uh, don't have that cynicism that he says you know, yeah. so easily can destroy them. Uh, and so whilst there was this joy that they were all happening and taking place, it still requires the work of the, you know, the senior leadership team and the se- or the senior minister to be, to be really pushing in to see those healthy teams yeah. thrive. Yeah, this is true not just for Peter as the senior leader, but anyone who's kind of leading a team. You can actually see that he's made a really important transition where he would have got some great joy out of being the instigator of all these things and he'd been working in the ministry and seeing fruit from his labours and enjoying the fruit of his labours. But he's made that really important transition where rather than enjoying the fruit on his tree, he's built responsibility in another tree, and now he's enjoying seeing the fruit on someone else's tree. And actually, as there would have been pain for him to actually make that change because someone else is on the coalface doing that work. But you can see he's so well made that transition in team life that he, there's just an easy joy for him, which there should be in all of us, when we see other people we built responsibility, they've taken it, there's fruit, and we just love seeing that kind of kingdom fruit because it's not about us. In the end, it's about Jesus and seeing his name on it. And when that happens, his heart is singing.
Well, let's hear another clip uh, from Pete. When a vision ceases to be front and centre, a team will inevitably be dragged into tasks. When vision ceases to be the thing you drive for, fight for together, you'll be dragged back into tasks. Uh, I then became the Senior Minister of Norwest and for the first 10 years essentially did what I've seen modelled. We ran rosters, we encouraged people to serve and it worked in some ways. The church grew, people served, it was okay. We, were, we ran equipping seminars, we ran training days, but we were poor on coaching and poor on developing people. We did not give people responsibility for their own outcomes. We did not look to inspire people with what God was doing and show them how they were contributing to that themselves. If you like, for 10 years at Norwest, we had helpers working around the pastor to help him do what he thought was right. Here's what we learned. We set a culture over a decade where our people at Norwest became passive recipients of our works rather than active partners in God's mission together. And reversing that culture takes time, and I have to take full responsibility for it. I think it'll take us around two years until our church gets into the rhythm of working in gospel teams together. Uh, you can really see he, he's really owned, owned it for himself uh, and started to actually you know, make purposeful change, but also being realistic about it as well, the, you know, the expectation. Uh, we've got some real, you know, culture things that have, have been set in and set, you know, but they're not set in stone. They need to be really actively uh, pushed against, you know, actively pushed yeah. against the passive recipient of ministry. Yeah, it's interesting that, that, that his self-reflection there, and again, this is part of good personal understanding and leadership of yourself. If you can't lead yourself, how can you lead others, right? But that he's kind of, he's setting a poor co coaching culture and a poor on developing people, and he's owned that and seen that. Uh, he's also seen, I thought it was quite insightful, uh, my language would be he was, in those early years, he was recruiting to the task of the ministries rather than recruiting to the vision. And if you just recruit the task, in the end, people just do things because they like you, and that will, that'll, that'll, and, and people will do stuff, and, and church can function. But in the end, you want people recruited to the contribution that this activity is making to what Jesus is doing in the universe. You recruit to that vision, and all of a sudden, as he made that change to recruit the vision, people were willing to take responsibility and and heavy responsibility. And, and he saw a culture shift in his church, which is, which is really important to hear because it, it is possible to change culture. Mm. And I think, I think again, recognising uh, the role that you play uh, in that. So jumping back and diving in and, and being the one who helps, being the one who actually gets things done, you know, it's so easy to do that. You know, it takes so much more time to, to delegate well, uh, to hand over responsibility, to see mistakes happen, to see it not happen how we'd like to you know, let it happen, to work against our personality often of, of perfectionism. Uh, you know, to, to build that trust and that confidence mm -hmm. and to see people develop, it does take time. And so every time you kind of see yourself doing that and jumping in and, and, and disrupting it, you've almost got to force yourself to not do that. It takes intentionality, doesn't it, Scott? That that willingness to actually go, I, I love doing this, but I won't do it because in the long run I'll be the blockage. It'll be just limited by my personal capacity if I can build responsibility for others to take it. The whole thing can fly so much more, but it takes that gumption to be able to say, 
although I love doing it, I have a bigger and broader responsibility as a leader. And obviously for, for Peter as a senior leader, he's got that responsibility. But if you're listening and you're a team leader of, of, of and not the senior leader, you and your work too will need to be working at building responsibility in others, not just taking on the responsibility and enjoying the, the, the feedback and encouragement that comes to you from doing that, but actually taking far greater joy in others, others, others doing the work. Let's hear some more of uh, Pete's reflections. Where is your current team vulnerable to dysfunction and how does your own wiring play into this? So this is the question where they just want me to put out all my psychological and um, behavioural challenges and where I stuff my team up and I'm happy to do so. So perhaps the first thing to say is that dysfunction can creep up upon you so quickly a team is prone to dysfunction, like we're prone to wander. Uh, if it's like there's a law of nature that pulls teams to anarchy, not order, exactly what Pete said before, we live in a broken world, which means that every team member has to fight for health and as the team leader, I have to take responsibility for any dysfunction in my team. That's my job and I need to put on my big boy pants and own that. Now, at Norwest, our current team can fall into dysfunction in manifold ways. I'm just going to give you three. Number one, I am personally prone to over-functioning, particularly if I perceive team members are under-functioning. What happens, of course, is anxiety goes up, pressure goes up, and then conflict goes up as well. Now, what has been very helpful for my team and for me personally is family systems theory and outcome thinking. Uh, if you're not across family systems theory, I would encourage you to Google it. Um, it's, there's a book called Grow Yourself Up by Jenny Brown. It's great to grow yourself up in your mid-40s. We've needed to do that. Secondly, I think there have been times that in my desire to keep a strong and warm personal relationships with team members, I've been overly flexible with staff at the expense of the broader team objective. To put that another way, I think at times I've prioritised relationships with my staff over the broader vision of what we were trying to achieve. Essentially, this has boiled down to a lack of courage. Thirdly, third area where my own dysfunction uh, or my own wiring is linked to dysfunction in our team is to do with the pace with which I move through life. Uh, I find it very hard to sit still. It's never been medically diagnosed, but I have some thoughts. So I can be perceived as manic by my staff. Some love this, many don't. <laughs> this causes stress for some of them. And one of the things I've learned again through family systems is that as an organization, how the senior leader deals with stress when under duress sets the tone for the whole organization. How the senior leader deals with personal stress when under duress impacts the tone of the whole organisation. And with a large staff team, with passionate people, with different personalities, there are times where there is stress and conflict that needs to be managed. And I'm growing more and more aware that I set the tone for how those conversations go. And so I always strive to be, regularly fail, but strive to be the calmest person in the room. Scott, I just love the fact how uh, Peter quite well articulates a temptation that so many Christian leaders fall into. It's where we have this schoolboy error thinking that Christian ministry teams, the goal is harmony, that a healthy team is a harmonious team. And while no one wants to be in a team that's disharmony, if all your team is is harmonious, there can be a dysfunction when it doesn't also then pay attention to results. 
And I loved how Peter articulated there's a particular temptation for him to love a harmonious team. And then to talk about results can bring tension, can bring conflict, can bring difficult conversations. And if your goal is a harmonious team, then you're not going to bring that stuff up. Mm-hmm. But look, it, I do believe I do believe it's a team that is only harmonious and pays no attention to results. I would say it's nice to be in, but it's dysfunctional. Again, the the insight or the self awareness piece that just keeps coming through as as Pete shares and talks. You know, he did say, oh, "This is where they wanted me to share the psychological stuff <laughs> at the start." Uh, but in, in many ways, you, you, as you've already said, you've got to learn to lead yourself, and a key part of leading yourself is actually to be self aware about how you operate, but also how your operation affects those in your team and those around you as well. And, uh, you know, he, he did push for that sort of, you know, calm, non-anxious presence. But I'd, I'd encourage, you know, listeners out there just to, to think through and reflect on what are your behaviours when you get stressed? You know, how are you imp- impacted? Um, what does it, you know, what does it mean for your your leadership and your management of, that, uh, of people. That's exactly right because like like uh, like Peter said, teams left to themselves are prone to dysfunction. And so you, you can hear the need to be very intentional in that work and part of that intentionality is doing that self-reflection about what, where where do I, how do, how do I deal with stress? How do I deal with dignity? How do I try and run a team? Is that actually helping relationships and results in teams? What, what do I bring to the table? And how is that going to particularly make our team prone to dysfunction? Scott, being very self-aware of what you bring to those teams is quite critically important for the health of any team you're involved in. But how can you become more more aware of yourself to, to know what you're prone to? Yeah, it was interesting how Pete said, uh, you know, read, read a book. Um, I've got that book. I think someone's shared with me. I haven't read it. Maybe I can grow myself up at 50. Um, but, uh, but I've been to a number of workshops uh, you know, listen to a number of you know podcasts and things. I th- I think that's always helpful. So hmm. so getting the outside stimulus and and talking about it and chatting it, uh, bringing in, bringing outsiders into your team as well. We've had uh, Craig Foster from Family Systems come to our team and and share some of those insights, which I think has been really helpful and and forced good team discussion. I, I think reflection is critical, uh, and yeah. and and often it you know it's hard in the heat of the moment when you are stressed to to stop and pause. But, but even just journaling or reminding yourself, okay, I was stressed, you know, what did I do? And, and again, I'd like to say that I was great at journaling and great at reflect, reflection. I've got a reflection drawer. I think, I've, I think I've done that, you know, six out of, you know, 12, you know, 12 weeks this year. Uh, I'm getting better at it. Uh, and so one of the easiest and simplest ways is to actually invite feedback and create that culture yeah. of feedback. So, uh, you know, every, every team needs to have a Derek, but uh, Derek, is, Derek is really great at, at pointing that out in me, uh, I find that that's a really valuable part of our, you know, at the team ministry that we share and that we have, uh, where he's able to, you know, see when I'm stressed, help me see the impact on the team and delicately point that out. And, and yeah. I, this is where I love being a Christian. I, I regularly ask for forgiveness and say sorry. And, uh, yeah. and so I think having that culture of, of feedback and inviting it yourself as a leader is, is really important. You see, there's a couple of easy things here, isn't it? It's, it's, it's paying. It's being deliberate and intentional about it. So having that time to reflect and look and actually work out how did I handle a situation and think carefully about what impact do I have on others, particularly in the team environment. So there's that personal reflection, but there's that second hand piece, isn't it? the second piece, which is, gee, welcome feedback from others, invite it even. You'll have far greater clarity on how you affect team life 
by reflecting and also by getting other people to reflect on you. Absolutely. Uh, so, Pete, I'm going to get you to do the one thing. What's the one thing you've learnt in leadership as you reflect on Pete's reflections? Look, Scott, the thing that it shines out here is the need to be deeply humble in ministry. It, that's the key thing about any leadership role, and it, it oozes as Peter reflects on his, his own leadership. He reflects on his failures, but he does so from a point of confidence in God's graciousness to him. But he does so humbly. He's, he's always seeing himself as, I think, primarily a sheep of the chief shepherd, so that as he takes responsibility as a shepherd, it's always underneath the chief shepherd. He's deeply humble. And so anyone who in any leadership position, whether you're male or female, however you lead, that deep humility where you you do your leading underneath the, the leadership of Christ, but you never become proud in that position. You keep yourself humble. That that Well, with God's help, you stay humble. That is the key to leadership. Well, great. I'm going to uh, just open up the toolbox this week. So just a couple of things. We're going to be releasing uh, more recordings from the Reach Australia National Conference over the next few weeks. So have a listen uh, out for that on the Reach Australia podcast. Uh, we will also release the full audio of, uh, of Pete's uh, monologue uh, reflections uh, from Stream 3 of the Foundations at the National Conference as well. So be on the lookout for that episode. And the book that was mentioned uh, was a book by Jenny Brown, Grow Yourself Up. Grow Yourself Up has some family systems theory, a very helpful book, again, uh, to help you start thinking about where you function, over-function uh, in your context. Now, as I said at the start, this whole month, we're encouraging people to uh, give to our online resource library campaign. We want to keep producing free Australian ministry resources uh, for churches all across Australia. So this month, we're encouraging you to jump online, reachaustralia.com.au forward slash give hyphen resource hyphen library. reachaustralia.com.au forward slash give hyphen resource hyphen library. Jump online and make a one-off donation. If that abbreviation is all too hard, just go forward slash give Reach Australia and you'll be able to find a place to be able to uh, give a one-off donation uh, to the work. I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Peter Blanche. Chat soon.